Welcome to the Earthian Podcast, where I explore the everyday stories, emotions, and realities that make up the human experience as we know it on Earth. Today's guest lives in Vancouver, Washington. He's been a good friend of mine for over 20 years. I've seen him struggle, fail, and grow into a person who is thoughtful, caring, and often misunderstood, even by me. What I learned in this conversation is that I really don't know the people around me as well as I think I do. And that's been one of the dopest experiences of this podcast, that I get to really sit down and receive another person's story from their point of view. I get to see how it is to live inside their mind, through their eyes. Today in this conversation, we talk about transitions. The transition from introvert to extrovert, from hard-headed to humble, from boyhood to manhood. This is my conversation with Joe Tran. So as, as I was working on this in, uh, in lab with mom, and then the moments that I had in between thinking about her procedures, I was thinking about my life and how the last five years have been just complete blur, right? Mm. So the last 27, 28 years have been just school, 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 school. And I've always been locked in this mentality of just make it through school, be somebody, and just live life. That's when you start to live life, right? Because yep. that's when you can enjoy is the way we're perceived, that's the way we're taught. Right. So what does so, that mean, uh, live life? Like, what was your perceived end goal? Like, what does that mean? So as a kid growing up, you're always told, you know, during your birthday or during that, like recently, I just saw this with my grandma telling her, my uh, nieces and nephews that are like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, hop y'all in one one. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was that was like that was life yeah. when you're growing up, right? And then as you graduate, you know, from school, you know, have a family, you know, be happy, don't have to worry about money, because you know, our parents, both of our parents, I think, had a really similar uh, trail where they they grind every single day, three in the morning, four in the morning, up in that lunch truck, getting food ready for the construction workers. That's that's where my thought process came from, you know, where life is going to be hard until school's done and then you just live life have a family have kids and enjoy life don't ever have to worry about those type of resources you know you can actually do things what did that look like for me i didn't really know as a kid you know we never had those experiences you know it's just working hard working hard and so after i graduated that's when it hit me that's like okay i'm done with school you know i'm here i'm paying my student loans what's what's next yep i really don't know but here I am now, 33, I'm working harder than I was in freaking school in the first place, you know? Yep. So the first chapter, which I put here, if I had a 500-page book about my life, the first 400 pages would be the paradigm shift. The okay. paradigm shift, right? The second chapter would be, you know, pouring the cement, solidifying the foundation. And then the third chapter, which I've just recently started doing, is never stop building, mm. you know? You build the lattice, you know, you build the structure, you tear it down, you do it again. And right now, my focus is is just to grow, you know, my, my fiance now, I just got recently engaged um, on Christmas. Oh yeah, congratulations guys. Yeah, yeah. it's huge man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me right now too. Yeah. <laughs> the, the life of a, of a very excited, over the top, just a dude, I don't want to use the word playboy, but... <laughs> just, it was great man life life was great life is still great you know when you find somebody who you truly want to be with and uh any girl that I look at from this point forward it's just been it's like okay cool you know i acknowledge you i see you but the girl who can really touch you in in a way where you've never felt you know your soul you know strikes a certain chord it's on the same rhythm like to me there's nothing that surpasses that so there's nobody you know my fiance being here right now it's just it's unsurpassed. No matter what we're doing, I'm always thinking of her. My decisions is always being with her. So, how is that? How has that changed from the past? Like in your perspective, what are you doing? What are you seeing? How do you view the relationship? That's different than what you, how you acted in the past, or what you saw in the past. You know, you've you've known me. All my life, you know, you know, ever since you moved up to the Bay, it's, it's been hard to keep in touch. But I mean, you, you see my demeanor, you see my behavior with my past relationships where I was I was young and, and I felt that life, you know, the world is an open book. And, you know, despite who you're with, you want to be with somebody 
who's always supporting you and encouraging you. And I think I've really refined the way that looks like because, you know, your significant other, your other half, you want that person to be right next to you. And I think in the past, I've always thought that I was always the leader. I was always going to be mm. the one on top. And how did, how did that look, being the leader in a relationship back then? It was never, it was never fair to her, you know. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, some of your questions that you had, you mm-hmm. know. And, and the questions was, you know, the negative impact, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it really resonated with me in that aspect is that I always let. And, and always being the leader, you choose to disregard some of the things that your other half would say because you yourself know that you think you know that it's the best path right because you were raised a certain way you were brought up a certain way that says you know you don't need to listen to those things believe in yourself believe in what you think is right but being in those relationships and and being broken in those ways i really had to reevaluate myself and say is this truly something that i i need to change to better myself and ever since i've made that change I've made that commitment in myself to change. Life's been so much more beautiful in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> what was that change? What was the change that you made? Growing growing up, you know, I, I, I truly felt confident in a very cocky way. You know, like, I, I thought the way I lived my life was the right way at, at all times. And it was, it was so childish. <laughs> And it was so stubborn, and it was in, in ways that I just couldn't believe myself. Like, I look at myself now, and I say, God, Joe, you're such an idiot for being like that, you know? And uh, you really learn that life is so beautiful when you understand different perceptions. Because everybody walks different walks of life. And, you know, here I am being born in Vancouver, Washington, brought up in the suburbs. I, I had the greatest childhood, you know, doing just things you know playing games and you just thought life was the best even with the resources that your parents gave you you know but then knowing so much about the world and hearing people's stories and backgrounds you really think to yourself god i'm really missing out on this experience or Mm. understanding you know dustin's story or helen's story or nana's story You, you you listen to these people's ideas and and opinions and you interpret it as like, wow, you know, I have something to contribute to this, to this too, but I'm learning so much from this, this feedback, from this advice. So uh, it's really made me take a step back now that I have this time, you know, that I'm done with school. I don't have to focus so much on just building on myself, but being there for others, giving advice to others and, and reflecting that upon myself. Yeah. Too. Cool. Um, yeah. So let's go back to the three chapters. You said the first chapter was paradigm shift. And you said the first 400 pages of your 500-page book would be that. Um, from what age do you think that happened in your life? God, it's been, it's been like sequential paradigm shift. It wasn't just one. Mm-hmm. But I, I think my first one would be at like 17, 18, right before I left to college. So how were you before 17? And then what happened at 17? Right, right. So you, we, we touched base on this a, a little bit, right? So, you know, up until I was 17, I, I had this perception that, you know, I get through school, you know, I'd be successful, blah, 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 blah. And it would just be like, life is grand, you know, forever after. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I just, there's this girl at church that I absolutely fell head over heels over like absolutely loved this girl and I didn't really know how to approach her you know I was at the time super shy super introverted and uh she would always approach me and be like Joey hey you know what's up and I'd be like hey sup because I didn't know what else to say you know but I felt like I had everything made for me it's like all right you know we'll just get together and it'll be great and uh so she liked me and I liked her and we talk on the phone and I wouldn't really have much to contribute. She'd just, you know, talk to me about all these ideas. I'd be like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. What's next? That's cool. What's next? Mm. And there was a day that she was like, hey, Joey, um, I just want to tell you there's this other guy that I'm seeing. Um, I don't want to see you anymore. I was like, well, what are you talking about? I thought you wanted to hear all these things and wanted to do all these things with me. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I just think I want to find a guy who's more outspoken who's more talkative who's who can uh lead me in certain ways yep. and uh how did you 
how did you feel when she told you that? God, it it crushed me. You know, like that that was my my first paradigm shift. It 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 really was, because you know at the time that's what my life was written out to be was you know I was gonna be with this girl and I was gonna have kids and finish school and have a family and you know life truly is not as simple as my 15 16 17 year old <laughs> self at all by like no means whatsoever you know and uh it struck me it really really struck me and that was when I remember before I, you know I, I got my acceptance letter I was gonna go to college and I was gonna move into the dorms I I prayed to myself I prayed to God and I said to myself you know Joe you know you, you you killed it in high school academically you're doing exactly what your parents laid out as the blueprint for you you know, hop yai, do well in school, be good to your family, be good to your siblings, your brother and your sister. But there's something missing, you know? And I told God that day, I knelt by my bedside and I said to God, God, thank you for giving me all of these abilities to study and do well in school. But I would trade so much of it just to be social, just to be wanted, just to be more extroverted and understand people on a different level. And uh, the next day, I headed off to the dorms, and one of the things I told myself was, instead of saying no, I can't, to those events or being invited out to those things, start saying yes. Start saying yes. And uh, I remember it was, it was with you and Hui, actually, mm. when we were uh, invited to Ocean Shores. Now, remember that time we had that tire blowout? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, to me, one of the pinnacle events where... Um, that was when we met Tao and Vin yep. and uh, Lok yeah. and Mindy. And uh, that was my first time to actually like really go out and actually, you know, have a, have a good and, and, and fun conversation. And people were like, wow, you know, who's this Joe guy that you brought to this? This is kind of cool. He's a pretty cool dude. Mm. By the way, we're looking for an MC to walk away. Do you want to be it? And I would say that was like the turning point for me because usually I would come up with some excuse to say no. Yeah. But I chose to say yes that one event why because I, I feel like at that point was the time when i said i cannot say no i have to say yes to anything that that means i had to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. be social be in with the crowd i had to say yes because otherwise my typical self would come up with some lame ass excuse to say i don't need to be there i don't want to be there i can't i shouldn't be there that's not me that's not who i am yeah right but because of that one event has led to like Hui's sister asking me to MC her wedding with Yi, yeah. right? And Yi was at, you know, Hua Koi with me when I MC the first time. Yeah. And then it led to another wedding and another wedding. And now I have like 12 weddings mm -hmm. that I've MC'd. I got another wedding I'm seeing in April. You know, I'm officiating weddings and I'm like, this stemmed from that one time that Dustin invited me to Ocean Shores to this VSA event of officer retreat or whatever. From that one event has has sparked a totally different chain of events that has made me more of who I am today, and I think it really exemplified that. That's amazing. I did it's not know trip. that. It's I did not know that because I've known you for so long. I think I didn't know that before that time you were shy. Like to me, you've always been the the cool dude that like knows everybody and is like, you know, hand clapping everywhere you go around the school. Dude. So that's like Dude. that's pretty crazy. So like. People's perception of other people is not always correct, right? Like some people, when I do uh, public speaking presentations, some people will look at me and think I'm very confident, but inside I'm just like, you know, small and like so tight and tense and everything. That's that's exactly the way I feel. Truly, yeah. truly, deep down inside, I still feel that way. And I think from the time I grew up until about you know 17, 18 years old, since. Um, that event with with uh, that girl I I really um, put myself in a position where I really need to observe myself and feel myself and replay my thoughts and my events at those types of situations and how I feel and I truly feel even today when I'm emceeing my 12th wedding I'm still just as nervous I'm mm -hmm. still just as tense the only difference now is one I'm dumb enough to say yes <laughs> and two like before I do it I plan everything I, I write down mm. everything I'm gonna say. I play out in my head if I had that mic in my hand right now and I'm speaking in front of you know 400 people at a wedding, what is the response I'm gonna get when I say this? Mm -hmm. And then I play in my head and I write it down. And then I write a script 
even today, mm. you know, from 2009 when we did Hua Koi to, you know, 2020 today, I still write a script for everything that I say. And I, and I almost memorize it because I fear that I'm going to have some type of anxiety attack. Yeah. And that I, if there's anything to rely on, it's my emotional core that, okay, at least I have the script that I can base it off of. Mm. Otherwise, I've learned, yeah, you know, I have learned a little bit from uh, feeling the audience and kind of playing it on my own and, you know, gauging what's a good joke, what's appropriate at this time. Yeah. But at the core of it, I still get very tense. And in my head, I'm still very shy and anxious. I still remind myself not to bite my teeth when mm. I'm out talking in, in public, right? Mm. But it's my mechanism. That's my mechanism. And right. it's, it's, it's worked. And a lot of people still perceive that, wow, Joe's is super confident and always on top of it, standing ovation. But at my core, I still feel like this is my first time I'm seeing. These are just the layers that I've added in my life to, um, to, to show the world that this is going to be a great event or a great show or make right. them feel comfortable in whatever situation they're in. So that's with public speaking. Do you feel the same way with just personal relationships when you talk to, let's say, a stranger or if you're at work, you're talking to your coworkers or acquaintances do you still feel like or do you ever feel like that or how is that how's that for you yeah that's that's, that's a good question uh today i think with with the number of people that i've encountered i mean you can't count the number of people you, you've talked to right and you know ever since i've gone to college to UW, to wazoo and talked to so many different people i've seen and heard so many different stories and events that to me now I'm no longer the dude that's in his, his shell all the time like you know if somebody's telling me a story I have some type of experience now to back it up mm. and I feel like to be able to have that personal connection it's made me feel so much more comfortable talking to anybody anybody literally anybody I don't have to feel like I put on a face mm. or I have to tell myself oh hey Joe you know reach out to them a little more now it's to the point where I can read somebody by the tone of their voice or the way they're saying, you know, certain words or their word choice or their eye contact with me. I can feel when somebody is uncomfortable talking to me or it's like, hey, I need to cut a conversation. So I feel like I, I have this ability now because I was so introverted when I was younger that I'm able to um, kind of guide the discussion, guide the conversation to where I'm very confident in that type of aspect. Right. Hmm. Oh man, that's interesting. So when you look at somebody, when you look at a room, let's say you walk into a building, a room full of people that you don't know, like for example, the, 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 a networking event or something like that. Right. And you look around when you look at somebody and you're about to approach them to talk to them, what do you believe about that person? That's different from somebody that is extremely shy and introverted now versus when you were introverted before? I think to me, I I always strive to find that connection. And uh, you know, when I, when I used to ride the bus every day, the 372 every day to campus, uh, to UW, I would make it an effort to get to know somebody every day. Mm. So, um, you know, back then phones were still kind of new, but I, I would still make the effort to at least have eye contact with somebody and smile at them. Because that was the point when I said I really had to change my life. Mm, mm -hmm. And I think that was a turning point for me where I said, you know, it's it's worth it for you to to try and, and find that connection. So it's, to me, it's almost like a game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look at somebody. So at a networking event, you know, I noticed the suit. I noticed their tie. I noticed a pin they're wearing. It could say something like Kappa Psi or Pharmacy or even the watch they're wearing shows something. Right. And I'd be like, oh, he's wearing a, a G-Shock or an Omega. And then it's like, oh, okay, he... he, he He's got uh, that attention to detail in that aspect. So I asked him, you know, what, what what inspired you to buy that watch, or what what made you be, you know, a regent of Capsi, and 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 that is where the conversation would start for me, because I, I truly feel that what makes me different than somebody who's introverted or a little more shy and reserved is, I really want to know you. I really mm. want to uh, make the effort to reach out and make that connection. Yeah. with you because I feel like I know something about being introverted and how I can um, relate with you to where you feel comfortable to open mm. up and talk to me. That's my goal with everybody that I touch is how can I 
make you open up to me and share with me something about you. Right. So How it's like, so it's like your, your curiosity is a driver and then also your want to make someone feel good or feel understood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. Like I, I just have that innate um, desire to want somebody to open up to me. I don't yeah. care how big or small. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned this, the first paradigm shift was at 17. What was the other one? You, you said there were multiple. So after high school and, you know, warming up and, and, and just being pretty much over the top, I think, I think, I, I had this type of perception. So like Dustin, right? He would perceive Joe as the guy, like the cool guy, right? Yeah. There was a point in my life. I think it was, uh, I say around 25, 26. So after pharmacy school, like I, I think all the way throughout pharmacy school, everybody thought I was the extroverted guy. The guy who was always the social planner, planned events, yo baby, splash life, let's live that life. <laughs> Just over the top, you know? It, yeah. Even at a medical mission, it'd be, Joe would be the guy. If you want to go party, you talk to Joe, yep. you know? And it's like, when when is enough enough? Like, Joe's just got this unprecedented energy. You walk into the room, you just light it on fire. It's like, when is enough enough? And I feel like people almost got fed up with me, mm. you know, to where, hey, you know, I think this is too much of Joe. Mm. And I felt that. Anytime I walked into a room, people would what say, was okay, that? here was Joe. Yeah, what was that? Why did you why did you start feeling that? It, it was just something I observed, right? Because at, at that point, I was still very positive. I still remained very uh, passionate. But for a lot of people, it could be a little too much. Mm. And um, at this point, I decided to take a step back and, and kind of be, instead of the driver, just sit in the passenger seat and, and see where this takes me. And so... Um, people would come up to me and say, oh, hey, Joe, aren't you supposed to take the mic? You know, like at, at, at my own party, right. sometimes I would, you know, give the mic to somebody else and I would look back and they say, oh, wow, you know, like people, if, if I wasn't up there, I, gave, I would give other people the opportunity to, to stand up and talk and stand up and do things. And it's cool to me to be able to see other people take that light, take that, that piece and uh, have what they want to do with it. You know, being in that moment and just taking a step back and saying, wow, you know, you've, you've, you've come all this way and you've seen yourself do these things and have another person take that spotlight. It's, it's cool to me to be able to see what energy they can bring to the table. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was a second paradigm shift was when you realized that you needed to pull back a little bit and let other people shine. Is that right? Right, right. And, and, and see what you can build from, from that point. Because I truly felt like I was over the top. I was really over, it was overbearing for, for a lot of people. People start feeling uncomfortable. And so for me to connect with more people, I would really have to take a step back and mm. say, all right, let's, let's, let's give them the opportunity to show themselves a little bit more. That's how I could connect with them. Because if they see me where it's like, oh God, I could never connect with this guy. This guy's just, you know, too much. Yep. It's just, you can't. Got it. So it was still the same driver. It's it was. It driver. was still the drive to connect with somebody. But just right. now, you're like, I'm too much. All right, I'll pull it back a little bit. Right. Is that something that still drives you today with your interactions and how you choose to act with people? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely in my repertoire because there's so many different walks of people out there. And uh, you know, my best friend right now, Greg, he's uh, he he's got a very big personality. He's got a very loving personality, but at the same time, he's very observant. Yep. And so I've really learned to dial down and, and, and tune down so that I can also connect with him when we're in a social setting because he's, he's more of the observer. Mm -hmm. But for me, just to be able to, to take the conversation and steer it every direction, it, it's, it's disregarding him. You know, it's discrediting him. Right. And so by dialing back a little bit, I'm able to allow him to, to you know, open it, his, his cards and, and uh, show himself a little bit more. You know? Yeah. Any other paradigm shifts that you experienced after that or another time? For myself, I, I think that would be uh, the biggest. Is, is right now, it's my third chapter would be uh, fine-tuning. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been small paradigm shifts here and there, but it's it never seems to amaze me. You know, I'm 33, turning 34, 
and you'd feel like at 33, 34, you'd have all these experiences and it's still like the world always fascinates me. It always amazes me. And even reconnecting with my friends like, like you yeah. and to hear your stories and your experiences, it's still like, oh, wow. You know, like it's, it's, it's cool to, to hear so many different walks of life and so many different avenues. And even though I'm not there to experience what you experienced, what you have to share with me still enlightens me and inspires me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that you said the next chapter will be pouring the cement. What do you mean by that? So at this point in my life where I've, you know, graduated from school and, you know, student loans are taken care of and now you're able to pretty much have a blank canvas. You can do whatever you want in your life. I'm at the point where I have my focus and uh, I know what I want to do with my life, right? So um, at this point, I've, I've found my priorities in my life and it's, it's narrowing down my circle. It's prioritizing my family, prioritizing my, my self-growth and staying towards that direction. And, um, you know, being close with my family right now, you know, my brother, David, he's still here in town. My sister, Tina, she's down in LA and, you know, both my parents, you know, I thank God every day. They're still with me. They're still healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely blessed for that. Um, at this point in my life, it's, it's bringing that focus and really bringing it to light to show them how much they mean to me, how much they care about me. You know, mm-hmm. being here with you really shows that for me, like I really value my time with you and the people that I choose to be with. And so at this point, it's pouring the concrete and allowing it to cement. And then eventually it's going to be building that foundation to make something very beautiful out of it. You know, and I think now is the point where I'm able to do those type of things because I have, you know, a good sense of direction, a good sense of focus. And now it's just, time you know my fiance she's in school for another two and a half three years and i'm just building towards in that direction so we can build a a family together and and, uh and really make life happen i mean life's been amazing so far and for me it's been a a sequence of really big events and uh it's just growing more towards in 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 that direction and, and, and fulfilling that type of thing that i want to grow what are you most excited about oh man I'm excited every damn day. I feel like there's always something to be looking forward to. God, that's such an open question, you know? Like, uh, I'm not sure if this should be public information right now, but, you know, my, my brother is expecting his first child oh my in September. God. So I'm super excited to be Uncle Joey here in September. That's um, huge. It is huge. It's It's amazing, you know? I'm thinking about, you know, like baby shower. I'm thinking about... You know what I'm gonna do when baby's finally here. You know, baby Madeline is what they're 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 really hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, you know, I'm engaged, so we got a wedding to talk about. I'm super excited about, you know, opening up the hyperbaric clinic uh, with uh, a very close mentor of mine. It's just so many things to look forward to right now. I think that this this time for me has been the most exciting time because there's life can happen in so many different directions for me. And uh, I don't think I've ever been so excited and so fulfilled. The only limiting thing for me right now is is my time. Mm. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. Where I choose to allocate my time. I'm up at five. You know, my alarm set at four forty five a.m. every morning. I'm in bed at you know twelve midnight because there's just so many things that I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah. You know, projects, planning. You know, real estate. I hope to close my next uh, real estate deal by next week. That's super exciting, you know, with work, career, just, it's nonstop, you know, I'm so excited and so positive about life, and I, I don't think that's ever changed about me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Ever, ever since I've known you. Um, when you look back, what do you think is the happiest moment of your life? Wow. I mean, there's there's so many positive moments but i think i think the biggest decision that's going to be lifelong is my proposal with my fiance nana because it it takes a certain person to be with nana that's one thing but <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've i've had to develop a sense of of decisions right you have to have a certain level of decisions in order to be the person who you are today to find somebody that 
you choose to spend the rest of your life with. I think that is such an extraordinary thing for you to find in yourself. You know, you have to be confident in yourself. You have to be confident in your decisions. Mm -hmm. You have to have a certain focus in your life to say, you know, this this decision is is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. So, um, and I'm going to commit to this. Like I'm going to figure it out no matter what. Right. Right, right, yeah. And, it, and it's still so so young right now for us to be still just engaged. But yep. that decision to me is, is one of the biggest and happiest decisions I feel like I've ever made in my life. Because to me, it's, it's, it's always been a goal of mine to, to be this type of person. Because Nana's a certain type of person too. And for me to live up to that, I could never see myself doing that when I was 17 or 18. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be able to say, I absolutely love the things that we do together now, to be able to do medical missions, to go out to concerts, to go out to events. And I mean, we both emceed uh, uh, a wedding together to, with our very close friends together. I was there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, it was yes, amazing. Yes, you were. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was extraordinary for us both to be together at that, at was, that wedding. Nana was rapping. She was rapping away, right? <laughs> Unprecedented. I was blown away by that, you know? There's there's an amazing picture that we had together uh, when I saw her do that for the first time because it blew me away, you know? <laughs> but it was so, so extraordinary for us both to come together. Like, I would never see myself to be with a girl so energetic, mm. so full of life. And, and for me to say, this is the girl that's fit for me, was was truly something that I could say there's been no other decision or no other event in my life that has made me so positive and happy. Yeah. Um, who do you feel like you have to become or want to become for her? I, what does she make you... Who does she make you want to be? I am, I am, I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed that, that Nana keeps it so open for me. She keeps it so real for me that I can be whoever I want to be and it's fitting for her. I, I truly feel like the person that I've developed throughout all these 33 years of my life to be with her to this day, it's something that she just encourages me to continue doing. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime she sees me talk to somebody, she says like, Joe, I, I love how you encouraged him or I loved how you reached out to him in this way to allow him mm. to speak. I loved how you led him to to open up and made him feel comfortable and confident for to be who he is. And so it only encourages me, you know, not in a way where I've been so um cocky or, or over myself, but in a way where it encourages me to say, Joe, you know, like the, the direction that you've chosen for yourself, it's it's something that allows people to express themselves, allows them to open up. And, and, and I love that about Nana is that she shows me that I'm, I've, I've learned to take a step back and, and be more humble, take more of the passenger seat and, and be more, more uh, open to others, no matter how much you may agree or disagree with, with the way they, they choose to live their life. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, there's something about someone who like accepts you for who you are and then there's not like a push to, hey, you should be this thing. I want you to be kinder. I want you to be more social or more successful or more ambitious, right? It's like they're pulling you to be more of that thing. Like they make you want to be that thing. Yeah. Which is very beautiful. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. And and there's nothing at all that I see with Nana where she feels uncomfortable or uh, in a place where she doesn't want to be with me, you know, yeah. at all yeah, situations, yeah. which is incredible. I love yeah. it. What are you the most afraid of feeling? Well, that's a very deep, deep question. You know, I feel like in my life, I've had I've had many many ups, and I've had many downs. I've had you know a lot of family come and go. I've had you know family leave this world, and um, you have a sense of of gratefulness about how how blessed you are, you know. And uh, 
even with something like you know my my puppy i've you know i only had her for for four four years and i love her to death but i feel like when i start loving her too much i i say to myself I remind myself one day she'll be gone and so i pull back mm-hmm. so it's it's almost the sense of you know over loving something or someone and like how how would i feel if they left me if they were gone right and, uh, like kind of hedging the bet in right. a way right like like saying that i or looking into the future and seeing that pain right. that's going to happen and letting that dictate what you do now and what that would be is like cut off your love a little bit just a little bit yeah just to make sure that you don't care as much when they leave your life yeah 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 it's it's definitely checking myself and uh yeah that that's something that always resonates with me you know but the biggest thing i, I always remind myself is joe if, if you do something with with something or someone don't don't ever regret it you know go all the way mm. whatever it is live live life with that person or that thing to the fullest because yeah. when when you get that opportunity and, and when it's gone the opportunity has gone it's it's gone forever you know so even with with my parents um i've had so many friends that have lost their parents or or they're ill or you know they've, they've come out of a stroke and it's it's like you know every single morning we wake up we have a family text and every day we mm. always say to each other i love you we love you i love my family and we always say that all five of us yep. the core five we always say i love my family mm. because you never know you know how did that start you know, my, my dad, he just uh, he just started putting in a, in a family text message, you know, I love my family. And I think that comes from himself thinking because, you know, we've had a really close cousin to us. Um, he had a stroke. The happiest guy on earth. He uh, he ate really well and uh, he loved others. You know, he was he was a priest and uh, um, we were planning an event together and we had all these these hopes and and, and, um, and whatnot. And uh one day my parents called me when I was at work and they said, hey, Joe, he, he had a stroke. He's in the hospital. And I remember being there and I, I was the first person in that entire room to break down. And I was, I remember I was in, I was in tears and I, I told myself, think of something positive, think of something happy. And I wouldn't stop crying because I had so many hopes that he would be the priest to be at my wedding because he did my parents' wedding. And, um, I wish there were so many things I could have said to him that I, I didn't say. And so um, it was very real to me at that point that my parents, they're so fragile. They could go at any time. And so when my dad started that, I think I said something to propagate that, to keep it going. And I mm-hmm. think that's when David and Tina said, you know, maybe we should continue the same thing because you never know. Today, they're here. They love you. You hold them tomorrow something could happen and they could totally be gone so uh it's it's a constant reminder to myself that um love unconditionally remind them unconditionally that you love them you know don't ever stop don't ever stop loving yeah for sure thanks for sharing that man yeah um how has your how has your relationship with your parents changed over the years It's uh, it's definitely grown. It's it's grown exponentially. I mean, as a kid, you know, you've always learned to hate your parents. They can never connect with you. They can never relate with you. But uh, it was weird, right? Because uh, when I left the house and moving off to college, you miss them. At the very very first week, you miss them, and uh, you miss them. Yeah, <laughs> I miss them. Yeah, I miss them. I miss them. I surely did. And uh, I remember in the dorms, my. Ever since I was a little kid, my parents always like. I feel like my parents were over the top in terms of keeping things clean. Mm. Very, very <laughs> like uh, very everything vacuum, blah 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 blah. All these chores, or whatever. And I was I was a little over the top when I was a kid, and I hated it. Yep. But then being in the dorms, the one thing that would remind their presence <laughs> of me was I always kept my shit clean. My mm. my dorm room was spotless, and people would walk in and be like, "God, Joe, why is your room so clean?" And I'd be like, "Oh, it's actually kind of cool because people are accepting me because my room is clean. They'd always come into my dorm room." Because everything was clean, but it was a constant reminder for myself that my parents were close by. Because mm. it's something that taught that they taught me, you know. And to this day, may it be a habit. Like if you were walking to my room at any time, 
it's spotless. It's clean. Yeah. My car is spotless. Everything is spotless. And I think that that that's kind of stepped into my attention for detail for things. And so, uh, yeah, today, like, I've, I've really learned to appreciate what my parents have, have given to me. It's almost like, uh, kind of like their vision of what they had for their kids, except on a more, like, crazy OCD level, you right. know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I know that feeling of, like, carrying certain habits. And then when you meet other people that don't have the same habits, you realize, oh, I'm so like my parents. Yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm the How same. much you don't want to be like them, but yeah. you end up emulating them. Yeah, in that type exactly. Of yeah. Who do you feel pressured to be for other people? You know, I I still keep in touch with um, with some friends from college and uh, from pharmacy and whatnot, and um, they've always seen Joe like you know we talked about earlier as as that guy, the guy that brings the energy, the guy that brings the motivation. I don't know if I'm just old, I'm getting tired, but you know you kind of like want to take take the back seat, you know, or mm-hmm. like uh, MCing for instance. You know, I I've never taking payment from any of my friends that I've emceed because I, I truly want to do it for the love that I have for my friends. Right. You know, if they end up giving me a red envelope for it, it goes right back in the gift box. <laughs> uh-huh. Good luck. I, I love you guys. Congratulations. And uh, it's it's tough for me, you know, to always have that personality, to be honest. And um, it's it's fun, but I, I love just to, to take a step back and, and see where all my friends and, and my family are, are doing, you know, just kind of take a step back and, and, and enjoy um, what you've been able to contribute to them. You know, you have your own piece of the puzzle, but let's let's enjoy the entire puzzle instead of just focusing on that one piece. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's just connecting and, and, and understanding um, how the group has flow has, you know, moved from one piece to to another. Is there anything that people expect you to be that you don't feel comfortable being anymore? I really don't think so. No. I really don't think so. I, I think I've lived in such different mindsets and um, different perceptions perceptions of how people see me mm-hmm. that it's 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 full circle for me, you know, to be so introverted and now to be so extroverted and to live these different roles. In between, you know, right. as the guy who was so submissive to now the guy who was always taking charge. And then now to the guy that's, I, I, I see myself in both lights, but where, what is that, that, that happy medium? And what, what is beyond that scope? Like where else can you take yourself? Yeah. When was the last time you cried? I think it was at the family dinner table. It was uh, me, my brother, my sister, and uh, it wasn't like full on boohoo cry, but it was <laughs> it was enough to to strike in me that you know, Joe, you you may think you have the answers to what's going on, but you really need to listen to what your siblings are saying. You really need to listen to what your parents are saying. And uh, I've always been the diplomat. In, in my family, I've, I've always been the guy to relate, um, you know, what my parents have to say with what Tina or David has to say, and then, you know, speak in, in their terms and, and share that with my parents. But, you know, I got too confident in a way where I think I, I overstepped my boundaries and I said something that was a little too offensive. And um, my sister, she was crying. And uh, it was something because she was so frustrated that she couldn't communicate to me. And, and I, I almost overspoke her boundaries and I felt so wrong. I felt so wrong inside that it it hit me and I said to myself, Joe, you don't have all the answers. Despite you feeling like you're the diplomat, you don't have all the answers and you really need to listen to your sister more and, and listen in between the lines of what she's trying to communicate to you. And um, it hit me and, and I love my sister. It's a, even today, it's so hard to relate with her but no matter what, she's my sister, and she'll always be my sister. And so I have to spend the time, spend the energy to really dial in and, and understand her for who she is. I really do. 
what about that situation made you cry? It it really hurt me because, you know, being the oldest brother, you, for me at least, I I always want what's best for for my siblings. I always want them to be happy, and um, it struck me because I felt like I wasn't able to live up, live up to that, and um, I felt like I failed. You know, being the the older brother mentality, being that diplomat to help my sister convey that idea to my my parents. And instead, I took it back on her and said, no, you were wrong. The way you talked to mom was was not right. And um, she was frustrated, you know, with my mom. And more importantly, I, I think for myself, she was more frustrated with me because I couldn't understand her idea enough. I, 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 I played it off as if it was a bad idea. And uh, for her, it wasn't, you know. And I think that's what made me break down myself to say shit Joe you really need to you know put your ideas in the back seat and put hers forth and really understand her for for what she wants to advocate herself for you know what was the feeling that you felt that caused you to cry I just felt so guilty you know I was I was trying to speak for her and uh, I couldn't I couldn't no matter what words I chose to say I was not bridging the gap between her and and my mom and uh it hurt me you know because i felt like i was the connector i was i was i was the person to to bring that together for her and i I just couldn't do it and i think it frustrated me so much to where at that moment because of my love with my family how how delicate it was it um it struck me in that way where i couldn't i couldn't figure it out yeah yeah um do you have trouble saying I love to I love you to your family to your parents not one bit no not one bit did was yeah. that has that been your whole life you, you felt comfortable no no it it hasn't um you know even in, even in front of my friends it's so funny because you know my mom when, when Nana is so busy with school my mom will, will still deliver me hot lunch to work <laughs> yeah I'm 33 my mom will still deliver hot lunch to me on her way to to work Always and, be mama's boy, man. Always. No joke. No <laughs> joke. And and this was only recent where I truly felt this unconditional love for my mom. But I'm, I'm very lucky to have windows in front of my pharmacy. And my mom will park right in front <laughs> of the pharmacy where everybody's looking. And I'll go out there. And the first thing I'll do is I'll give my mom a hug. And I'll kiss her on the cheek in front of everybody. And everybody was like, dude, that's the most touching thing I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, this is this is my everyday with my mom, you know, because I love her so, so damn much. I will do anything that lady she she is a queen and she is the most amazing person i've ever met in my life and so for me to share that unconditional love not just between us but with everybody i feel like that's something that's so beautiful and it needs to be shared and uh yeah i i i truly love my parents but i i have utmost respect for my mother Mm. um on that sense yeah it's it's very cool. I'm I'm very blessed. I feel like to feel this way about you know, um, my mom. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's very very cool. How's your relationship with your dad? My dad and I are are, are on a different level, and uh, it's 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 equally as as loving, but in a very different sense. You know, my mom has always been kind of like that dictator personality. She's very decisive. Mm. Uh, she 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 can be cutthroat and very blunt, and uh, her perception is is just far fetched. But uh, my pop, he's always chill, go with the flow. He's always you know cool. That's cool. That's cool type of guy, you know. <laughs> and he truly lives like that, you know. Um, he lives life a day at a time, just very casual. You know, he doesn't he doesn't live for the plan. He lives very just for the moment, and uh, I, I feel like he feels like his life is is close to expiring and you know we're always telling pop because you know we're both my brother and i are both pharmacists and always saying oh you know pop maybe you start taking this vitamin or you should start Mm -hmm. you know weaning off rice or whatever but he's like i do what i want to do you know i want to see my grandkids one day but nothing's forcing me that i have to live this type of way you know so my relationship with my dad it's very casual it's very just go with the flow very chill it's like hey pop we got to blaze a game on sunday you want to go you want to go, you know, check it out. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. You know, <laughs> and he'll go to the Blazer game and, you know, because we're sitting in the 200, 300 level, he can't see. 
he'll boo for the Blazers just because he can't see who's playing. <laughs> but he's just living for the moment. You know, he just wants to be with the crowd and just kick it with people, you know? Like, he goes out with my friends sometimes and they'll just kind of kick back and be like, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And everybody loves him because he's just, he's been through so much shit in his life, you know, through the wars, as as a refugee. He's just like, you know, life life has, has been full, full color, full spectrum for me that at this point, I really have no expectations, you know? I, I live for the moment, I'm truly happy. You know, the only thing that really matters to me is my, my dog and my family, and uh, he's truly happy with that. That's what he lives for. If you had chosen a different path at some point in the past, uh, where would your like, where would you be instead? I, I truly think that, you know, my first paradigm shift when I was uh, 17, 18, that would be a very huge turning point in my life. I wish I, I didn't tell myself, Joe, you just have to walk this path. Going through college, you'll be a doc and life will be grand. You know, you just keep walking this path. You have a beautiful wife and a beautiful family because I was so sheltered when I was a kid. You know, my parents worked so hard to give me the best life that they could with the resources they had. And all they knew was, you know, work hard, study hard, and you'll be somebody. But there's so many avenues in life. There's so many different adventures and experiences that, you know, back then I wish I would have had to say, God, Joe, the life is so grand. The world is so big. You know, don't cut other people off because you think you have the best vision out there. You know, just because you have the best whatever doesn't truly mean that life is going to be this way forever. You know, and uh, I think if I started at, you know, 15, 16, where... Um, I started making those types of decisions and I was more open-minded, I definitely would not be where I would be today. I think I would have so many more experiences with people, so much much, much more enriching and fulfilling experiences with, with others that I didn't have. Um, Why do you think that? I just think that when I was you know, 17, 18, I was so, everything was so routine. Everything was so just, here's the blueprint, walk it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you'd be set. That there was no such thing as veering off the path and exploring what that had to offer. So what was the, what was that blueprint for you? Was that self-imposed? It, it, it was definitely self-imposed. It was something that was uh, taught to me and then it was only reinforced because I was, I was good at it. You know, I was right. a 40 student in high school. And uh, I, I had the grades. And so I, I, I did what I thought to be was the best thing for me. Right. And uh, <laughs> my first quarter at, at UW, you know, I was taking the classes to, to go through my doctorate program. And I got a 1.7 GPA, you know. And I, I was so stubborn. My second quarter, I did the exact same thing. I took the exact same classes. And I got like a 0.7 GPA in pharmacology, which is what I do every day now. I'm a pharmacist. Yep. I got a 0.7 GPA in pharmacology. Yep. And I was so freaking stubborn at the time that I said, God, man, you, you're doing something wrong, Joe. And so to take, to take different veers and turns in, in your life, you never know how enriching it makes your life become. You know, when, when I was the manager at my pharmacy, I, I had a friend, a roommate, who loved whiskey and he shared that passion with me mm-hmm. and as a manager at that pharmacy I you know with the pay raise that I had I ended up buying 52 bottles of whiskey and now I just have this love <laughs> and passion for whiskey that, that I share with my friends and then they're, they're like dude how'd you learn so much and honestly the amount of knowledge that I have compared to to the roommate I know nothing but it's it's this cool avenue that all my friends are just now just experiencing and I'm so grateful to share that with them and now mm. they absolutely love whiskey on their own set so it's kind of cool to see this passion progress from one person to the next to the next to the next and uh, to suggest all my friends you know when we went to Tokyo hey I went to the Centauri distillery and you should check out you know the Hibiki 30 and those type of things it's so cool to be able to understand that um, that level of complexity and it also share something about myself about how I'm so fascinated about the intricate details about um whiskey you know for some people it's just oh how smooth a whiskey could be but to me it's about the little notes the the little textures how it rolls in your mouth the creaminess the richness the full burn you know it fascinates me in that that type of sense why is that why does that fascinate you 
I, I just think as, as myself, I learned that I love detail. I just love the intricacies of, of humanity's ideas about how, how intricate something can be, you know, like a watch. Yeah, um, you know, I love watch, the, the ideas of, of how functional a watch can be. So a watch tells time, right? On a very superficial level, it tells time. Yep. But something like an Omega Speedmaster, I'm so fascinated by not just the design, but how intricate that piece of machinery is. The 1861 movement, the one that went to the moon, 18 jewels in that watch to be able to keep such precision, precise level of time it, it just fascinates me. You know, you want to crack that thing open and you're just in awe about how amazing that thing is, you know? And uh, same thing with whiskey. Just the idea that somebody babied this barrel, this cast barrel for 21 years of his life to make something so beautiful, so harmonious with, mm. you know, so much level, bursting with flavor, the notes, the, the, the fig, the cherry, the oak, the leather, the dark chocolates. It's just so inspiring to me. It, it, it makes me want to live my life in a way where where I feel like giving up sometimes. It's like, dude, how can this master distiller stick with one idea for so many years of his life? Like the level of discipline that some of these cultures have, it, it just fascinates me. It intrigues me. Like I want to know more. That's why my uh, Japan trip with Nana last year was so eye-opening to me i mean yeah you can 100%. speak to this you can speak with this i yeah i just went and just walking around everywhere i mean you see that in every single aspect of the japanese culture like the food that they prepare i mean there we went to um, a tea shop that was like a little stand in the mall and the way that the the woman was preparing the tea the even just the way she dressed the the setup of the the, the little shop it was just so curated and so carefully done. Um, we went to shops like looking at wallets and shoes and just the, the craft that went into it, the time that they take to make sure that every detail is the way they want it. It's, it's just so amazing. And it inspired me when I came back to the U.S. Like I wanted to dedicate my life to just getting better at one thing. Right. Because it's so beautiful. Yes. Yes, 100%. Something so, so simple. Yeah. You know, going to restaurants, eating sushi, or just the way... Uh, the level of detail is insane. You know, the amount of discipline and patience you need to have. And not just that, but I noticed the way that they care for others. The way they look out for each other is at an unprecedented level that I feel like the United States is truly missing. You know, America we're workhorses we work like bosses we work day and night and we don't have a moment to just sit and just look to our left and look to our right and truly understand something down to the core fabric of what it is that we can truly master yeah you know yeah yeah definitely uh witnessing like the humanity in every interaction um i left uh, I bought a pair of shoes and I left it at, in the mall, like in the food court. We left for two hours, three hours, went around shopping. And then I realized I left the, the bag somewhere. Yeah. And I remember the first place we went was that place. Two, three hours later, we went back and it was the, the nearest like restaurant. They, I was like, hey, do you, did you guys see a, a bag with shoes? And they're like, yeah, here, here it is. Yeah. No problem. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's my, incredible. my friend we were with, uh, he left his wallet at the subway like two or three times. Yeah. Found it all times. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. The culture, the people, they truly look out for others. They really look out for you. You yep. know? Yep. All right. You said the third chapter of your life is never stop building. What does that mean? Never stop building. I, I, I thought about this you know, for, for a while. And uh, I wanted to keep it open because truly right now I'm, I'm so like life right now is, is just an open canvas to me, you know, and now I have the foundation I have, I have the lattice and I'm trying to build it. And I notice when I build, I break down, I want to build again. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing for me is to never stop, 
even if you find that a project or or something that you've worked towards doesn't work out for you never quit be resilient be consistent you know if you have a night of hard drinking and the next day you want to wake up at 4:45 in the morning still work towards that goal because there's a reason why you chose to wake up at 4.45 in the morning, right? You still want to be consistent. Not 4.45, set your alarm at 5 or 5.30, 6 o'clock. Just still build upon those habits because it always takes step one to take the step two. Yep. You know, that huge goal that you wanted to, to meet, it always comes with step one. And so you always want to keep building. So at this point in my life, I'm immersed in so many different projects, right? So I have... My family. I also make my girlfriend, or excuse me, my fiance, my my priority at at this point, and so it's it's trying to find those those times when you can build upon that and and make those relationships more everlasting and more entwined, so that you don't have regrets, right? So um, to me, it's at this point, whatever avenue that you choose to do, Joe, go at it with full force and never stop building. Yeah. <clears throat> so when you look at your life in 20 years, what are you working towards? What's that what's that vision? What's the ultimate? What do you see around you? What are you feeling at that time? Dude, I'll be 50 in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so by by 50 by or 30 or 40 years, whenever, whenever. Yeah. Yeah. That is for you. I just want to live my life with with no regrets, you know, and, and having the resources that I have now, the time that I have now to craft and shape my life the way I wanted to. I, uh, I just truly want to be fulfilled. I truly want to be happy and, and share happiness with others. I, uh, I want others to see me as a person that they can come to, um, to seek happiness, to seek growth and, uh, somebody that I can share uh, great experiences and great stories with. You know, I want to be a mentor. I want to be somebody that is always going to be there for my family, my children. And uh, I, I really want to work on just being more open. You know, I, I didn't really feel like I was ever open with anybody. I always felt like I had that right mentality, you know, since I was, you know, 18, 20, 22, 25. And, uh, at this point, life is too short. Life is way too short. You know, I, I could be gone today. I could be gone tomorrow. And so uh, if, if there's something I could build towards, it's, it's, it's enriching my life, giving myself as many colors as I possibly can so that if anybody wants to come up to me and be like, Joe, I want to learn from you, that I'm, I'm ready to connect with them and share with them uh, in all aspects and, and all walks of, of life. I see you have notes. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get to the last question? It's it's an open slate, man. Like uh, I, I just jotted down some ideas about you know my my history, my family, you know, growing up. I, I feel like we touched base on on, on a lot of those things. Um, I give you the driver's seat. All right. Yep. So the last question is: We as humans put up statues of people. Not because we love those people, but because we love what those people represent and what they stand for. So when you pass on from this life and the world puts up a statue of you, what form would that statue take and what would you want it to represent? So I, I really spent some time thinking about this this question, right? And uh, it, it's a very deep question. It's a very significant question. And I thought this is a very brilliant question. And um, for myself, what I see for myself, a statue is something that's, you know, something that, that bears through all challenges, physical, mental, and uh, it, it, it weighs out whether whatever it is beating at it, it's resilient, you know. And, and the one thing I think for me that is always going to be resilient is my connection for others. And uh, it was funny because I, I, I literally thought about this driving over here uh, from Forest Grove with Nana, but 
I, I remember the scene from Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, in the movie Predator mm. when he meets Dylan after all these years and they give him that, that big hand clap. I'm not sure you remember where they're like, Dylan, you mm-hmm. son of a bitch. Yeah. And, and, that, and that scene, it's, it's not a handshake, but it's it's like, you know, the guy's coming together, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that, it's that desire for connection with others. You know, for me, the hands are a symbol of, of work. But at the same time, that specific connection, if I were to give anybody that, that hand clap, it's, it's, it's my, it's my um, character to want to connect with somebody and also a guy who wants to work, who, who desires to work and desires connection. And it's not just that one moment, but it's an everlasting connection with that person. You know, like like our relationship, for instance, you know, even through all these years, you you are truly one of those guys that I always want to connect with and a guy who I always want to understand. I seek to understand. You know, we had a very similar uh, upbringing. We grew up in the same uh, um, area. We grew up together. We went to the same high school. We were, you know, college roommates together. And then for us to, to transition to our own avenues, you know, I'm, I'm always so interested to hear about your life and your experiences and and i truly do it openly so throughout all these years of of challenges and 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 um transitions that we've had in our life i feel like that relationship that we have is still as strong as mighty and you know i'm I'm here today as a fact that i you know i i really value our relationship together i want to spend time to work on projects with you and do things with you you know and so um if there was a statue with me it, it 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 would definitely be something where it's connecting with 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 others and it's connecting with the people that truly matter a lot to me. 